Well, I've read articles this last week or so, a couple of weeks, on this very, very thing. Suddenly they're saying, my God, there's not enough men getting born, there's a lot of stillbirths, there's a lot of problems cropping up, and they just don't know what to do about it. And again, it dovetails right in to this new transhumanist movement and post-humanist movement that again suddenly sprung up, well-funded by millions and millions of dollars and headed by big professional people. And I'm going to continue with this and more information after the following break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And uh, I think it was Monday, perhaps, I talked about the Disappearing Mail documentary on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation on their site, which they uh, showed on television here in Canada, to do with this very problem about the incredible infertility amongst men and some of the factors that are involved in causing it. Once again, I'll I'll reiterate that most people will always go through life thinking that everything is just the result of blunders and incompetence, and that's how it's always projected to them. But you cannot go back into the eugenics movement and see the big organizations that were heavily funded and, and spoke on behalf of the already existent elite, the dominant minority. And they talked about all the problems they could foresee in the future if they did not reduce the population but especially the male population, because generally it's men who fight changes. That's why the United Nations bypasses the males in all the third world countries and goes right to the females, giving them loans and grants, supplying them with equipment and so on to get their own businesses started to get the men out of the picture. Men tend to be traditionalists, and they'd have to be removed from the scene one way or another. Many world meetings were held about this problem, and it's happened, as if 50 years since Darwin wrote his book, here we are with the very, very outcome of it. And people think it's just, again, incompetence and greed on behalf of the, the chemical industries, etc. There's many factors involved, but the fact is we've been under literally, literally a bio-warfare attack from the womb onwards. And it's self-evident. There's another article come out, and by the way, the CBC link, I believe they pulled it, so I was told the States can't get it now, but I'll put another link up. I, I realize there's another one up there on one of the sites where you can view it. I'll put it up tonight at the end of the show. It's a keeper, and this is another article from the Globe and Mail, Saturday, September the 20th, 2008. It says, humanity at risk, are the males going first? Something is happening to these boys and men. Few are being born compared with girls. They're having more trouble in school. Virility and fertility are down, and testicular cancer rates are up. Now, scientists say these fragile males may be more vulnerable than females to pollutants affecting their development as early as the womb. If so, writes Martin Mittelstad, it could be a bigger threat to our future than global warming. Well, this is a real threat because it's done on purpose, you see. Just the first clue was how difficult it was becoming 
to find enough young boys to cobble together a basketball team or a baseball team. Then women in prenatal groups started remarking on how everyone in their groups was having girls. So the impression was quickly backed up by a check of band records. In some years, nearly two girls were being born for every boy, a major anomaly given that the normal boy-girl sex ratio is 106 to 100. The Sarnia area, that's in Ontario, Canada, has been prone to many pollutants or pollution-related woes, but the implications here seem to be arising all over the world. Males be, may be more fragile sex when it comes to exposure to modern chemicals from the embryonic stage on. I thought about predictive programming and how those in the futurist society get these, these rights to write the novels and make the movies to get us all ready for this. So we think it's all quite natural, we're just evolving into this extinction. Since the recent sci-fi thriller, Children of Men Imagined a World Population Doomed to Extinction when over the coming years every last human being on Earth becomes infertile. Now some scientists are painting a similarly frightening picture of a widespread threat to male birth rates and later virility and fertility. What's more, they believe serious damage to men and boys is already occurring. University of Pittsburgh's Deborah Davis, in a study issued last year, found that the U.S. and Japan combined had a staggering tally of 262,000 missing boys from 1970 to about 2000 because of a decline in sex ratio at birth. She says, although it could be a statistical anomaly, she says, the figure is very worrisome. Dr. Davis, director for the Center for Environmental Oncology at the University of Pittsburgh Cancer Institute, points out another disturbing trend, the rise in what scientists have dubbed testicular dysgenesis syndrome, a catch-all phrase for a raft of male reproductive system ailments. Among them is hypospadias, a disfiguring penis abnormality in babies where the urinary opening is on the underside rather than its normal position on the top. The condition is not new, but boys today are far more likely than their fathers to be born with it. The incidence adjusted for population size is up about 60% since the mid-1970s in Canada. Other countries have also experienced increases. The incidence rate of testicular cancer in young Canadian men aged 20 to 44 for reasons unknown, has risen 54% from 1983 to 2005, according to figures compiled by Cancer Care Ontario. I guess they're right on target with killing us off. Eh? And levels of testosterone and hormone that choreographs male development from libido to muscle mass have inexplicably declined in U.S. men over the past two decades by nearly 20%. I'd already plummeted before that, eh? A recent study found that women in San Francisco area during the 60s who had higher levels of PCBs gave birth to a third fewer boys than women with low amounts of the chemical, suggesting in utero exposures to now banned toxin were able to cull males. Culling males, you see. Exactly. What Galton Darwin and his clique talked about. University of Florida zoologist Theo Colburn is often heralded as a modern-day version of environmental prophet Rachel Carson. In 1996, she co-wrote Our Stolen Future, which first raised the possibility that synthetic chemicals may interfere with normal hormone functioning. More recently, she has begun giving lectures on the male predicament. 
I definitely feel that the males are really suffering more, says Dr. Colburn, who is also president of the Colorado-based Endocrine Disruption Exchange. That's what they call this endocrine disruption in the womb because these artificial estrogens mimic and block actually the male growth of their own male hormones. They're, they're created by biowarfare. That's why they're so perfect and that's why they're so much in use today. Nothing gets on the shelves for the public unless it's been tested first by the military-industrial complex, which works hand-in-glove with the pharmaceutical agencies. They're all chemically based, you see. Probably all pills today are made and come out of the, the, the petrochemical business. It says here, the most insidious of the hormonally active chemicals may be the ones that mimic the powerful female hormone estrogen Compounds as diverse as pesticides and plastics, mercury and uranium are able to fool cells into thinking that they are dealing with estrogen rather than an artificial imposter. You don't have to be a PhD biologist or doctor to know that pouring estrogen into a male is not a good idea. No kidding. This is Frederick Von Sal, a U.S. biologist who has done pioneering research into the harmful effects of bisphenol A. That's the stuff they put in all your plastic drinking bottles and line beer cans with and so on. Why would they have to line beer cans? I mean, it's mainly men that drink beer, isn't it? And it's been promoted in all the Western countries with incredible advertising. It's all the, the ball games. And of course, men are dropping all over the place with, with cancer of the prostate. He says the, the, the phthalates, these are the phthalates, these are the other things called phthalates. These other chemicals, this is added to many plastics, inhibit testosterone production and can also, according to some researchers, be associated with irregular genital development, although the industry, of course, denies it. Meanwhile, brominated flame retardants, now bromine used to be given to guys in the military to calm their sexual urges. So they put it into flame retardants, which is all of your cafetine curtains and all the rest of it, and furniture. Brominated flame retardants routinely used in products ranging from television sets to mattress foams. By the way, I don't know the, the black plastic that most televisions come in today, and your computers and all the rest of it, was actually banned back in the 50s and 60s because it gave off when heated these particular chemical agencies. But about 10 years ago, they changed that law and allowed it to be used in every home. Dr. Vaughn Sal says, this mishmash of synthetic hormones leading to too much estrogen and too little testosterone, and it says here, and thyroid hormone is making a mass of sexual development in males, a mess of sexual development in males. Down in the page it says, the researchers found that men in the 1987 category had significantly more testosterone than men of the same age in 2004. Over a decade and a half, decline worked out to be a dramatic 17%. Certainly something to consider and be worried about, particularly if it is related to fertility, Dr. Travison says. Now, why isn't it a major crisis? I've said that for years, the United Nations gives us the statistics on the decline and testosterone and fertility and, and all, all of the facts that we give out every year from the United Nations Department of Population Control. And what do you think population control means? And they blithely give it the stats and never give any comment about crisis 
the Nutellas were pretty well 85% sterile. That's because it's the agenda. Otherwise, it would be a crisis. So this article is from the, the Globe and Mail, and I'll put links up on the site to do with this. I think you have to subscribe to the Globe and Mail, but I think other newspapers carried this particular article as well. And I'll be back with more of this happy, happy news after this break. Little 
mathematical equation here. It says the CBC webpage said the sperm count of a healthy male had been halved, and 85% of that is DNA damaged. It did too. That is a 92.5 reduction in just 50 years. The math is below using 80 million as the starting point. And 80 by half is 40. 85% of the 40 million are DNA damaged, unhealthy, unusable, low motility. 85% of 40 equals 34. 40 minus 34 equals 6. A healthy Western male only has 6 million, 6 million usable sperm. When they need 80 to guarantee, pretty well guarantee, the fact that they'll can impregnate a female. So from 80 to 6 million is a 92.5 reduction of healthy sperm. So that's the bad news. And they've known this all along. They're suddenly finding this out. They've known what I'm talking about all along. Meanwhile, they have us freaking out about global warming and all the man-made fantasies and islands in the Pacific sinking. What they're actually saying is that water is rising. Well, we were taught, you see, at five years of age in geography classes that those islands, they're all volcanically made, always start sinking. That's why the water is rising. But by altering perceptions and seeing one side of the story, they never catch on. Very simple cons, little con games. Everybody's freaking out because as you go through into the transhumanist agenda and the step-by-step agenda to get us through it, even if we have to get chipped to go through it before they can bring out the first new creatures as a, a whole new species, we have to go through all of this farce and set up basically the machinery to take care of this new system. And we pay for it too. We, we pay through our tax for all the research that goes into building the centralized computers that will deal, literally deal, and program all these new transhumanist creatures because they've all to be brain-chipped. And that came out at one of the world science meetings. I've had it every year, by the way, since the year 2000, on this very topic of chipping the human brain. And how did they get it done? How did they convince the public to accept it? Well, you see, they, can, they know they can convince the public to accept anything. That's a sad truth. If you've never been in charge or the master of your own mind, then someone else is. It's so easy to put everything down to greed by the big, big international corporations that run pharmaceutical agencies, vaccine agencies, and chemical businesses. And you don't realize they're all working together because they cannot keep secrets from each other at that level, they're all engaged in the same researches. As I say, the military-industrial complex uses everything, they test everything for warfare purposes. And the war is on the people. We'll be back with more after the following break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
I'm Alan Watt for Cutting Through the Matrix. Just piecing together common sense for people who've been taught not to think for themselves and not to put things together for themselves. You know, in a court of law, you come to the conclusion, the verdict, by the preponderance of evidence. You take it for granted the accused, if they're guilty, is not going to admit they're guilty. And that is what the big boys do. Remember what what people like Toynbee said, Arnold Toynbee, the man who had a big position to do with road scholarships and world government and the world socialist system. You understand what socialist system means. It does not mean for the people. It's a very elitist system. But he said we always deny with our mouths that which we do with our hands. And that is what the big boys do. They deny what to do to the public. People just bungle and screw up and my God, what a mess we're in. That's what you're left with. But as I say in a court of law, the preponderance of evidence gives you the verdict. And we have plenty and plenty and plenty of evidence. And for those who've listened to me over the years and and listened to the talks I've given and got the books I've suggested, you'll come to the same conclusions. You have no other option. There's nothing haphazard or happenstance about this agenda whatsoever. Look into the transhumanist societies. Look into the myriads of professors that belong to them and the associations those professors belong to as well and who funds them. They're all eugenicists. They all believe in superior races to come. But they also believe that the masses have to be eliminated you know, the common genes, the, the junk gene types. It all dovetail perfectly together. This is not science fiction. The science fiction was based on projected fact. That's where they get their stories from, as I say. These authors and the filmmakers who belong to the Futurist Society. The Futurist Societies were set up back in the 1800s by big philanthropists like Rothschild to write into circulation ideas to familiarize the public with these ideas. It was eventually called predictive programming. What you take in as fiction adheres in your mind and opens up possibilities which become, well, why not? Especially when you're given one side of a story through a novel through fiction itself. You're not given the other side of a story or the rights or the wrongs. You can make anybody the hero in a novel. Adolf Hitler could be the hero if they gave you from one point of view. And it's never changed. The future society is still funded by the big philanthropists. And remember what guys like Weishaupt and Albert Pike of Freemasonry talked about creating big philanthropic organizations they would have so much money they would dictate policy for the world and there you have them today dishing out their global citizenship awards the Rockefeller Foundation where do you think all your UFO magazines and so on come from you know they, they, they fund all that too all the stuff that amazes you and titillates
titillates you and amuses you and fascinates you. All the possibility thinking comes from those organizations. They're funded by the Rockefeller Foundation in the U.S., Ford, Carnegie, etc. Why are they into that? Because within all the stuff they push, apart from scrambling your brain, is to make you lose touch with reality so you cannot think for yourself and you accept anything that comes down the pike. It works very well. Very, very well indeed. Here's an article here from World Net Daily. It says, Death toll linked to Gardasil vaccine rises. Now, I read an article about that a couple of weeks ago. Complications include shock, foaming at mouth, convulsions, and coma. It actually had death in it as well. This one was posted June the 30th, 2008. Anaphylactic shock, foaming at the mouth, grand mal convulsions, coma, and now paralyzed are a few of the startling descriptions included in a new federal report describing the complications from American companies' Gardasil medication for sexually transmitted human papilla papilloma virus, which has been proposed as mandatory for all schoolgirls. The document was obtained from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration by Judicial Watch, a Washington group that investigates and prosecutes government corruption and has details of 10 deaths just since September. Given all the questions about Gardasil, the best public health policy would be to re-evaluate its safety and to prohibit its distribution to minors. In the least, government should rethink any efforts to mandate or promote this vaccine for children. You understand what we're talking about here? This is a vaccine for children. That this conversation wouldn't have taken place before the big boys pushed and the big philanthropic organizations pushed the sexual revolution back in the 60s. It was a revolution. Remember the term revolution. Revolutions are funded into existence through the culture creation industry. They're pushed into your minds. The organizations work and covered reports of about one death each month since last fall, bringing the total death toll from the drug to at least 18 and as many as 20. There also were 140 serious reports of complications, including about three dozen classified as life-threatening, 10 spontaneous abortions <laughs> and children, and half a dozen cases of Guillain-Barr syndrome, that crippling disease. The document reveals the case when an 18-year-old woman who got the Gardasil vaccine was found unconscious that evening and died. Another woman, aged 19, got the drug and the next morning was found dead in her bed. The new document also reveals a total of 8,864 vaccine adverse event reporting system records, up from a, a total of 3,461 that had been reported in a document just last fall. That, however, has not diverted the building campaign to have legislators adopt mandatory vaccination plans as well. There's a lot of money changing hands in this Tower of Babel, you see, that's held together by band-aids to conceal all the cash behind it. That, however, has not diverted the development campaign. Judicial Watch said one of the reports, B-A-E-R-S-I-D, blah, blah, had this to say. Information has been received concerning a 20-year-old female with no medical history reported who on April the 1st, 2008, was vaccinated with a dose of Gardasil. The patient died four days after. 
patient sought unspecified medical attention, an autopsy was performed which ruled out suicide or anything suspicious. Another report said information has been received from a physician concerning a female patient who on an unknown date was vaccinated with a dose of Gardasil. Subsequently, the patient experienced a coma and is now paralyzed. At the time of this report, the patient's outcome was unknown. You know, you go into the history of banking and you go into the history of pharmaceutical agencies and you know they come from the same few families. You can go back down through time, down through time into the ancient empires and you always find they created a, a capital city with incredible luxury for a few surrounded by massive poverty for the rest. And they ran it on money and commerce. And they ran the commercial routes and trades and industries. Few families. And they also had prostitution and all kinds of sexual outlets for various kinky minds and they ran the legal pharmaceutical agencies of their own time and the illegal ones of their own time and down through time this has been part of what they call civilization because civilization is a term they use for their system we find Aldo Huxley advocating drugging entire populations, he said, to make them happy. In the speech at Berkeley he gave, and it's up on my website, you can listen to the whole thing. He said, what's wrong in making people happy using drugs and so on? They're not happy anyway. And here he is, one of the descended elite, you see, the aristocracy, who knew that people weren't happy. They're always kept in a state of mild panic to excessive panic in crisis with one war after another made by the rulers the same rulers that run the world today living in their little lives and paying massive rents even in, back in his day and trying to get by so naturally they were unhappy but the elite were pretty happy he had no problems being happy and he advocated and he was a member of many big think tanks his brother, Julian Huxley, became the first CEO of the United Nations organization, UNICEF. They set up a world culture by indoctrination of children. And he wrote about it and held pretty well nothing back. They were both descended from Sir Thomas Huxley, who was the best friend of Charles Darwin. And when Darwin died... Sir Thomas Huxley took over the championship of the cause for Darwinism. And they were all specially bred, if you go into their histories. I've talked before how Darwin himself was maybe the third or fourth generation, all born in the Darwin and family and the Wedgwood family. That's all they married into, one other family. 
Darwin's second, uh, first wife died, he married his mother's sister, a Wedgwood. They were practicing eugenics all along. And as I say, everything in this system is based on what's called faith. The doctor, the nurse, whoever gives you injections, they're even given pharmacologists the right to inject patients now with the free flu shots and stuff like that. That's the beginning of it, even though they're not even qualified to do that. But everything's based on faith. Everyone believes that in that vial is what it says is in that vial. Faith-based. None of them have the ability or the laboratory equipment to check and see what's in that vial. Or the specialized equipment to get even traces. You understand the body runs on traces of things. That's all you need to alter the DNA structure are traces of things and the right combinations. They were both trained, trained, trained to listen to the experts. As Lord Bertrand Russell said, we shall create a civilization where a mother can't change the diaper on a child without the opinion and advice of an expert. That has happened. People cannot think for themselves. They're trained, completely trained. And they're so naive now. They're gullible and ready for anything. And that's what they're going to get, is everything. Everything that's bad for them, that is. Mankind will go out with a whimper, not with a bang. So that's the bad news. And again, I've even had emails from people who can't handle the bad news. I've had people who, one guy in our country who does a little podcast, emailed me after bombasting me for giving up the bad news. They can't handle it. It's too evil. So they blame the messenger. Because this messenger, you see, can handle. I've been handling this all my life. I've watched this stuff all my life. I've asked the right questions. I've gone and investigated things that made no sense to me. And once I was on the trail of how populations are controlled and by whom and the big think tanks that work for them and the publications and going through them, I found out that nothing, that nothing happened by accident. We're living an agenda. Remember what Plato said, nothing can come out of the grassroots without permission of the elite to control. If it did, the rippling effect might upset all the plans of the elite who plan the future. That's how you keep control. Generation to generation, you plan a future. You plan the society. And all of those movements that came out of nowhere, it seemed to the public, heavily funded, one revolution after another, always claiming they're getting more freedom for one group or another, are all part of it. They've all been used in turn to basically put the funding out there for research into eliminating most of us. Everyone is a useful fool, the willing fool they call them at the top, always believing that they're going to get something out of it for themselves and be a champion of the people. 
I've got David in South Carolina on the phone. We'll go to David. Are you there? Yes, sir. Hello, Alan. It's good to speak with you again. Yes. How are you doing? I uh, hope you didn't get sprayed too bad today. Uh, we get sprayed all the time now because I'm at the top of the, the jet stream. It comes up through Chicago up to Ontario, loops where I am. Oh, so wow. Chicago and here gets the heaviest spray, and then it carries it all the way down to Buffalo or New York. Uh, yep, near Thunder Bay or something? Not far away, yep. Oh, yeah. We got uh, sprayed real bad yesterday. First time that's happened in quite a while, and I was rather surprised because I live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Well, these sprays, too, also contain polymers, which also have these plastic substances within them as well. So all this ties together, you know. There's yeah. many... The spraying will have many purposes all built into it. And I know one thing about that, too, is also uh, we live right on the path between Atlanta and Charlotte. And I see, you know, the jets go over every day, all day. Yes. And then and all of a sudden they spray, you know, mm-hmm. out of the blue. So I know that was a little difference. But uh, what I wanted to get to was um, I appreciate the fact that uh, I, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before I heard you speak of the fact that um, – uh, you know, Western man being the most aggressive and, you know, uh, individualistic, I suppose, yeah. uh, in the world has to be crushed. Mm-hmm. To, you know, the United States, I mean, I live in the heart of the South, okay, and I know this country is going to be broken in little pieces. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, David, hold, hold on and we'll, sure. we'll, we'll finish this after the break. Back in a moment. more often uh, now and uh, I really love everything you can bring out um, what I thought was just an, it, it's occurred to me lately was it's an amazing thing is that you got people like uh, Cecil Rose, Bertrand Russell Toyn the uh, uh, Darwin all these guys who supposedly okay, are these elites of the Europeans you know uh, yeah. okay, and they're advocating you know, the destruction of their which essentially should be the power base of white folks, you know. Yeah. And um, I think, I don't know, it's just a theory. Uh, tell me what you think about it. It's uh, basically um, breaking us down to the point where there's a, 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 a whole breed of people who have no kind of distinction or no kind of allegiance to any kind of group. Uh, well, see, now, now they've moved on. They've moved on to the whole world, and and this is a, becoming a worldwide phenomenon now because the, the whole world is the goal now. Mm-hmm. And so basically all the old men from all types have to be eliminated to bring in this new type, this new standard type. And that they, they plan to bring this in over the next maybe 20 years, you know. That's right. I remember you talking about that Hundred Years' War. They were yeah. talking, and that's through genetic engineering. And, and, and. That's right. That's why they've been pumping money into this very field that we know of mm-hmm. for over a hundred years. I mean, Rutherford, the greatest mathematician uh, who ever existed, supposedly, uh, was working on that in the 1920s to do with the genes. And before they'd even found or discovered uh, the double helix, so they right. said at the lower level. They, they were onto this a long time ago. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, Plato, I think it was, uh, spoke about atoms. Mm-hmm. What do you know well, about that? There's a school, the, the atomic uh, school in, in Greece and in a few other places as well, uh, where they literally talked about uh, matter being comprised of tire, tiny whirling pieces of matter, and uh, that's where the Thomas, uh theory came out of. All that time that ago, that, yeah. Do you believe that might have been from an uh, ancient society that vanished under whatever circumstances it just... Well, there's no, there's, no, there's no doubt that these guys, even back in Greece, inherited most of their knowledge from Egypt, because they all studied in Egypt. And as Egyptians said, even to Plato or, or to his uncle, or his great-uncle, they said that uh, many civilizations had grown and collapsed in the past yeah. and basically left almost no trace. But see, knowledge is never destroyed. They hold on to knowledge, and even the alchemists of the Middle Ages who were employed by uh, the, the rulers of their day because the alchemists came up with all kinds of weaponry and new kinds of gunpowders and so on. Yeah. Uh, an ancestor of, of Francis Bacon was Roger Bacon, centuries before him, who was a monk. So even really? within the churches, the Franciscan monks were dealing with alchemy or, and he came up with gunpowder for Britain. So, uh, you see, they've always worked together with the, the, what we call today the military industrial complex. And the alchemists said they'd rise to power because kings and queens and authorities and governments could not do without them. They hold on to their power. They would need them for their weaponry. Then they would keep it all secret from the public. You have three levels of science coexisting. And general public, uh, only here at the lowest level, that's from professorship down. War is the organizing force of society. Is that's it. That's what they use. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful to speak with you, my friend. Well, thanks for calling. You have a good evening. I hope you uh, don't get sprayed too bad. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty well constant. All right. But that's it for tonight from Hamish the dog and myself in Ontario, Canada, where it's raining and it's heavily sprayed. It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. Mm-hmm.